Welcome to Podcast This Escape, the podcast in which we talk about the escape room that we escaped from in the previous episode of this podcast. Congratulations, guys. You you saved Rome. That's what happened. <laughs> That's what happened, we didn't, right? We didn't make it worse than it was. You slayed the volcano. Yeah. Uh, no, congratulations. That worked out really well. Uh, you guys, that was the first room of our, of our new new uh, arc, and it, came, it was a good start. You guys did all the cool stuff you needed to do. Thanks. Yeah, we, we, uh, we got caught up pretty hard on two things. Most of them were search fails, which is kind of how things go for us in the real life. I was escape say, that's pretty typical. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was really pleased at your speed of getting the, oh, how should we arrange these mosaic tiles? How about smallest to largest since the tiny one and the huge one was still there? Because Billy wasn't that took sure me much longer, if that needed an extra hint or not. But you guys smashed it immediately, which was great. Uh, I'm glad that Lisa drew her <laughs> this very one. ridiculous pictures. <laughs> Because because and I said this I'm drawing this one bigger than the others. I could only I was so happy when you said that. I could only really make out three of them, and the the, the, the <laughs> two of them were the top one and the bottom one. What do you Perfect. mean? I had now, to write poison on this one, <laughs> and then I had no idea what that animal was. But this one has wings. That's now, totally clear. And this one has arrows to show that its head okay, spins four. around. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> Um. But no, like, so for us, like, listening to that, that was, like, a really, like, standout, like, oh, they got that, like, now, straight also, on. Now, um, also, Bill got into a big argument with me about how big an elk is and whether it's the size of a tiny deer or a moose. Yes, that was true. Elk versus bison. I went, oh, is there some well, ambiguity there? you weren't there? even sure about that? You weren't sure about elk, elk versus, versus fawn. Well, see, that was the thing, right? If an elk is little, if it's, like, a little deer, like, I don't know how big Roman elk were, but, like, little deers <laughs> would be smaller than a fawn and really huge ones. Like, if it's the size of a moose... That's probably bigger than a bison. So, you know, there's some el- elk ambiguity, I, I'd like to say. I had a pretty good idea of how large an elk was because my father had a client who had decided, whose, whose partner had decided to go to a game farm to hunt. And the way that this works is you kind of pay for like the size of the thing you're going to shoot. And he paid, oh. he paid for a deer. And he accidentally, at long range, shot an elk. And then he had to pay massive upcharges for said elk. Ah. And hemorrhaged money on this. But, and also didn't have enough space in their tiny apartment for all of the meat. So we got a, refriger- a freezer full of elk meat. Um, and we dined on that for a very long time when I was in elementary school. See, that's the sort of personal cool. experience that <laughs> everyone needs for their escape rooms. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And, and this, that's, the, that's the best kind of outside knowledge. And this was, this was not just any del- uh, elk. It, it had large lips, so it would be even bigger. <laughs> <laughs> True. Just that little bit. Uh, but yeah, was there anything that you guys did during the room that made you feel particularly like, good? Did you have a, really good, like, a nice, good moment? Or anything, I suppose, that made you feel particularly bad? For me, there was a whole bunch of points where everything kind of came together and we got things in pretty rapid succession. And those, those all, I mean, mm. that's kind of how it always goes. It, those, those always yeah. felt really, really great. I, mm. putting, yeah, you absolutely did the look at everything first yeah, and then find the bits well, right after. Some of that wasn't, I don't even think, intentional. I think we, we just looked in all the wrong places oh, yeah. first. And it also, but yeah, we did. I mean, I don't know why, I don't know why we didn't look at the closest room first, but you went here mm-hmm. and then I just went farther. I have, I kind of have a thing for like ancient <laughs> tile mosaics. Like I, I just get really into that. Yeah. Cause I mean, the things we were looking for were literally next to where we were standing and we went the other way. It, it wasn't lost on me either after the fact. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess my drawings didn't look that interactive. So we looked at things, but we didn't touch them. Yeah, but the the water awesome. and the the uh, the hole in the, the ceiling of the mosaics the were definitely thing. that was very good. We're definitely calling out. To yes, that was a nice catch getting mm. the embers uh, straight away. That was I think that took me a little while when I was doing the playtest. As uh, is, is figuring out that, that that's whole what segment I needed. of the playtest is hey, pretty different. Here's a fun fact: this is like I think the first room that we've done in which we could mention a torch the entire episode and not have to say yeah. that this is a flashlight <laughs> for our American audience because it's actually just a torch to everybody. That's amazing. This is a flash. Oh. We got very tripped up um, on on um, a wrench. Yeah, we were we were really not sure oh. what spanner was. We were, at, at some point 
we actually oh, like no. started we just sat here like pulled out our phones we and we're like what checking. is spanner uh, <laughs> i completely forgot that one yeah that's a hard one yeah. to, it's hard to remember sometimes what these things are um uh, but no it was some notes that was good now i'm coming from this as a place of i wanted to use this arc not just to have a fun arc and everyone loves time travel, but because history is something I'm generally not very good at from a trivia perspective. So I wanted to learn as I wrote this one. And I definitely have been. It also means that I've got this weird mix of actual history and stuff that I'm totally making up and misunderstanding along the way. What's your ancient history knowledge like? I have a degree in history that I, I, I don't use that often. Um, so, so really, I, I was mostly just very excited when I realized where we were before you said it. <laughs> <laughs> and you said you'd actually been to Vesuvius? Uh, I, I have been to Pompeii. Ah, that's I have awesome. not. My, ah, my, ancient, my ancient history knowledge is ancient history. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do like, I like the, uh, I got very excited about frescoes everywhere on the walls. I think in the place, I was like, oh, let me tell you about frescoes, everybody, because the fresco is painted onto plaster before it dries, and then the whole plaster dries with the fresco. And the... <laughs> I, I had a similar thought when, when you were describing it. I was like, oh, that's a fresco, and Lisa was asking to look behind it, and I was like, that's, you can't move that. But I, I didn't <laughs> say that. It's a fresco. <laughs> I, I was also thrown off by how I drew it. That was wrong. It was a problem. Yeah, yeah it was... Definitely not an easy one to describe in terms of these things. Like I can, we can also post a picture of just the reference images that I was using. That'd be great. We should definitely post those mm, yeah. on, on Instagram. Yeah, because I, I was just using some very easy diagrams of rich Roman house or rich Pompeii house mm. and things like that, and trying to work with that. Uh, it's also interesting. This is only like half to a third of a rich Roman person's house. Yeah. I, I didn't include the entire fancy outside area in the back. None of the slave areas. You might've noticed there are no bathrooms or kitchens anywhere. <sighs> I just figured they hadn't invented those yet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, no, that was really, that went really well. Um, one of the ones that I found interesting that I kept thinking you were going to get based on how you were talking it through was the uh was the was the curtains with the four lions yeah we were and the four doors with lions on them we were teetering on that for so long yeah i don't know forgot that the doors had lions on them i think I, remembered that yeah. the handles were ornate but i i, I, I only it. remembered one of them having yeah. we only we only have one of them listed as having a lion on it and i uh. i don't, I don't think I ever actually internalized that all four bedroom doors had it. I think because we mm. like we knew that they were identical, but we only explored one. Mm -hmm. That was a little bit confusing. Mm. My note taking was confused. <laughs> it is hard, right, when you're not when you don't have that physical space. Like mm. these are the things that become but difficult that be to make so these connections easy in a real to room see to a spot. thing. Go, wait a minute, there's a lion, and there's a lion. Yeah. Is is becomes the harder because you can't physically see them. This also like. It wasn't like we were so last time when we when we played with you guys, we had kind of like stations and we were solving puzzles at those stations. And for the most part, it, our, 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 our mental maps were very contained. This was really about the, the, the puzzle itself was about putting together the whole space. And, 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 yes. and the couple of things, the couple of nuances that we missed or had but forgot, um, those those really are, were the things that got us. Yeah, it's that association mm -hmm. of, of the connection of like, oh, there are animals here. Let's mm -hmm. Maybe the animal is the password. Oh, I've seen lions. Maybe they match the lions. It is interesting how much you got very different styles of rooms yeah. coming on in your two times being guests here. Mm. It's, it's really cool. Like, yeah, this I don't is, think a, any of, this yeah. is a profoundly different experience. Mm. Uh, I, so there were a few things. So I, I, I played this uh, a few, like a week or so ago, uh, maybe a little bit longer. Uh, as in the playtest form. So there are a few things that definitely changed from oh, yeah. the playtest into the main room. Uh, and one of the big ones was the statue. Mm. Mm. So originally the statue had... The statue was originally in the middle of the room and uh, I, he didn't have a torch in his hand. He w looked like he was holding something. And the original aim was you had to take a portrait and put it in his arm. And... Like and the, then he would the hold the portrait and you had to light the cup of wine file, on fire. And that would make it happen. <laughs> and it became this, and, I th and it was one of these ones where like the, I, th I think the issue with that when we were doing it was like, well, I don't, I don't know if I want to, like, if I'm going to know what's happening. Like, like, 
I put a portrait into his hand. I don't know why it was a portrait or like I light the, fo- the wine on fire. There's no feedback until you had done exactly. all of those things. So we sort of segmented that a bit more. So once you do the wine, something happens to the torch and the torch has an obvious goal that that should be lit on fire lit on fire because it's a torch. Uh, that's its that's its job. I think that was a really that smart was, change. That was helpful. I, definitely. I, yeah, for sure. Especially that's since the... To definitely me, better. To me, it felt like the, the puzzle really was identifying the embers as... as as an igniter. Mm. Um, mm. I don't know that I would have made the correlation that you needed to light wine on fire and then gone to, yeah. as I, yes. I think that that, I wouldn't have thought of that. Yeah. I, I, exactly. All, all I did in that play test was go, the statue's sweating. He's sweating fire. on his face. Make and it, fire. And I was just picturing someone who's just been eating and drinking so much that they're sweating. That was, so, that, was exactly. that was kind of what I was picturing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So it was. This, that was an interesting one. That was one of those, and like it's kind of a big part of the of the the playtest is because these things don't exist in reality. Even more so, the ability to get into your own head with like this makes sense mm-hmm. can sometimes not follow along as well. For sure. Mm-hmm. And this was definitely one of those cases. What was the other big change that we made? I don't know if there were any other big. I feel like there was an, at least another small change. Changed a little bit about how the curtain looked because yes, we did. With uh, the initially, they were just all one on top of the other. So there was ambiguity about which, which bedrooms. people and, would be facing left. I just went, yeah, just make two of them face left and two of them face right and it's yeah. all good. But and I think we changed it so it was very clearly the two on top were facing left, the two on the bottom were facing right. So you knew like, oh, I'm going to do the north bedrooms facing west and the south bedrooms hmm. facing right. So, so there was no, oh, I do two of them. Which yeah. two? Ah, it doesn't really matter. Just do two of them. Yeah, that but other than that, most of it was pretty much the same. There was a very small graphical change, which was oh, yeah. on the diagram that you received. Mm-hmm. So on the diagram, initially, that those grapes that are, if you look at the diagram for people at home, it's still linked below, uh, the grapes were facing, uh, which are now facing like to the right, so then they don't have a distinct orientation. Before, they were vertical with, this, with the stem of the grapes facing up. Which meant that when you turned the diagram to its correct orientation, the grapes were over, upside down. Then the grapes would be upside which down. Was pretty silly. Uh, which to me yeah. was very yeah. important. I was like, "Well, no, that that makes it upside down. Yeah. How, like this, the grapes clearly indicate that it must be." So we turned them ninety degrees. So then th- th- there's no indication of top or bottom from the grapes. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I I didn't speak it, but my thought when I was looking at it was that the grapes were indicating outdoors, and that the three circles were yeah. indicating the three rooms. On the left, uh, on the on the other side of the house. Yeah, that That's does make sense. That's fair, it, but I, I think you guys pretty quickly keyed was, into I grapes or grapes. I probably could have made it clearer, but when I try to think of okay, food associated with ancient Rome. But yeah. no, it, it, all you think all of that we've is got is grapes. It, it worked really well because you also like you know, you went out of your way to 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 point out the recliners with people with slaves feeding grapes. Yeah, so, like the the association was <laughs> yeah, that is true. Was there? There's a word association there. Um, uh, and, and once we checked out the first one it was like okay what if what if we flip it yeah mm. Mm. it's it's it became it went from being an instruction to being a puzzle yeah and mm-hmm. even it was a, a one-step puzzle of flip it over it still became like oh i have to do one more thing now, this is this is way more a... satisfying than if than if it was oriented correctly yeah mm. ah, that's nice now um just one other thing back to the mosaic i i'm proud of the mosaic it did, i did a lot of work on that <laughs> <laughs> yes. i wanted to ask Had you, you about heard that? <laughs> Besides the fawn, had you heard of any of those creatures? Caicos and Strix, but that was it. Interesting. I had literally, for me, it was just the, no, it was the fawn, and I'm sure I'd heard of a Catobla Pass. <laughs> I don't know why, though. Because uh, for this one, I wanted to deliberately find, uh, you know, there are plenty of mythological creatures out there, but trying to find ones that you could say with absolute certainty were ancient Rome or both ancient Rome and Greece, not just ancient Greece. Mm. It was quite tricky because the vast majority of things, when you look them up, refer back to ancient Greece. Chimeras and, and hydras. Exactly. And, and yeah. I know that there's a lot of crossover, but I'm not educated enough on the subject to know that I'm getting that right. So I tried to find specific ones that were just ancient Roman, and that's a lot harder. <laughs> uh, apparently Pliny the Elder made up a bunch, and that's about it. That's, that's funny. I, as you were listing them, I was like, how deep did you have to dive to find all of these? <laughs> <laughs> that's, but I, I definitely know, I, I, I know Cake is from, from a myth, and then I know Strix because um, there is a Magic the Gathering card that's a six <laughs> yeah. that makes sense 
Actually, I have a question about that. Huh? So you you knew you wanted to get uh, mythical creatures. Yes. When did you think, oh, I'll order them by size? Was it based on what you found or was that what you wanted to get going in? And uh, It was kind of a bit of both. I think I discovered one or two. I think it may have been when I discovered uh, the insect one mm. that I started thinking about size. I got to size pretty quickly, but it did take a little bit of time. It wasn't instantaneous. That definitely wasn't my starting point. Were there many monsters that you, or, or mythical creatures that you looked up that you thought that's going to have too ambiguous a size? Uh, I can't remember specifically what they were, but yes. Things that are, say, dog-sized. Dog-sized? Mm. That could be anything. That's fair. And I suppose there's also issues like something like a, like a griffin or a, or a chimera yeah. are often presented in media with very vastly different sizes. Like, is a chimera the size of a lion because it has a lion's mm. body? Or is it absolutely gigantic, huge monster sure. like in Hercules? And like a half-god giant being the biggest. That's fair. That's but clear. even giants have extremely ambiguous size. Mm. <laughs> so it made, this made it easier on myself. So it was really nice that I was able to find seven that were relatively clear. If they hadn't been, was there any Ooh. other ordering patterns that would have been clear that you could have thought of? Other than something boring, like alphabetical? I Honestly, I probably would have done something like, ah, in the desk drawer there can be a story about things happening to them. Something oh, like yeah. that. That's fair. Uh, that gives you an order for them. I don't know, but I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Yeah, I, I'm glad that this was I able like to work this. out. I really like that puzzle. <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, but no, you guys did really well. I, I found that a really fun room. So I was saying to you beforehand, I don't, this wouldn't have made it onto the recording, uh, though it would have in the playtest, is that... Uh, so uh, we've been on Twitch playing through a lot of the Nancy Drew games, and I found that there were some elements of that that came through into the into the design of this room. <laughs> have you played Nancy Drew games? We have not. No. Hmm. And I think, well, I think to me it was something to do with the, with the quality of the puzzles, or not, not as in like the quality, good or bad, but the the kind of flavor of some of these puzzles. Oh, how much of it is just essentially you can picture yourself clicking on a thing, or clickening and dragging yeah, that thing. Being, having tiles that you drag gamey. into place or, you know, interacting with the statue in that same sort of way. Even the presence of the statue, to me, felt slightly <laughs> different from your normal design. The last Nancy, well, the second last Nancy Drew game that we finished, um, a big statue of, which god Mercury. was it? A big statue of Mercury was a key feature of the room. Yeah. Was it made out of it was Mercury? Just and I... Oh, if only. <laughs> that would be too dangerous. <laughs> But yeah. Speaking of the, our next room, Mercury features heavily. Oh, fun! The planet. That's the. That's the. Who knows? Let's find out. You have to travel back in time to the planet Mercury. <laughs> you need these spacesuits. Um, but no, I I really enjoyed that room playing through it when I did, and you guys did really well. Uh, definitely, we got we got stuck on different things. That's, um, that's I definitely got stuck on a, on quite a few. You got the word animal right away. Animal took me half a second, but getting those, um, getting the, like. Figuring out that it was a size thing. Definitely the size took thing while. took me longer. Even figuring out like, oh, hold on a second. I've got four of these. So obviously like those will have to be the bedrooms. We'll have the, it will be the one that I have four of in that plot. Like you guys jumped to that immediately. Although it was we you, Lisa, did have just... trouble counting. <laughs> yeah, we ran out of. We ran I out mean, of... that was my describing things what those just as much were. as it was you. Oh my god! I... But immediately when oh. you had four cubiculars, you're like, okay, well, we got four bedrooms. That makes sense. Stick them on those. Uh, I'm really throwing my own Latin here because I'm just looking at the word cubicular and going, is that singular or plural? I can't even remember. Cubicular. Was this intentional because I needed that a at the end? Is it really a cubiculum for Probably. a single one? You'd feel that like sounds it would be. right, but I don't know it anymo anymore. <laughs> <laughs> My Latin dictionary is just sitting next to our computer from when I did this. <laughs> it's um actually go, oh, go for it. Go on. Well, I was going to say, did that affect? So obviously, the names of the rooms mm -hmm. affected the password. Yeah. How did that puzzle all come together? Because presumably the rooms were set before that puzzle, or did you yes. choose them based on their letters? No, absolutely not. I had the rooms, and I went cool. I need a word. What is a word that can be made out of these letters and also happens to be both English and Latin and not too insanely difficult? <laughs> and I think I got, I think I got lucky. <laughs> but I started out going a little bit trickier. Like I was going, oh, you know, like animalia. Mm. And then I looked it up and I just went, oh, no, they just said animal. 
Brilliant. That's what I want. I kept trying to reach for things that were that felt a little bit more Latin. And that normally, if mm. I'm going to anagram successfully, I get it very quickly or I fail. And I rarely get to anagram because oh, yeah. usually Lisa's got that. I had to that. work at this one. Yeah. Do you, what do you think it was? Just that there was that English slash it was Latin the expectation concept, that like made you it different. You expecting it to sound more Latin, or is it because honestly, a six-letter one is not your typical anagram thing? Well, mm, a six-letter one is is a little bit long, but also like you don't you don't usually expect L to be at the end on its own. So I was mm. trying to lead with L for a while. Ah, interesting. Um, yeah, I thought I had enough letters that I could have AI together for a while. <laughs> that turned out not to be mm. the case. So yeah. I was I was like trying typical anagramming things because um, I didn't see it right away and I didn't get there super fast. I think I think on a quick redesign of this room, what mm. I would do just to emphasize, yeah, whoever designed this house loved his animals. Maybe I'd replace the people surrounding the vases with animals with surrounding, animals the, surrounding vases. the vases. Mm. Just to really emphasize, mm. man, this dude loved putting animals in places. Maybe. So then you'd have more than just the bedrooms that have animals. I in. don't know if that would be helpful or, 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 or cause more more chaos because then you're <laughs> then you have more yeah. animals to draw correlations to with other with other puzzles. Yeah, true. So I that's true. Uh, uh, you, if you were to do that, you'd have to go and specify it as particular animals, like they're all dogs, and that way it's not like, mm. um, well, how many dogs are around that vase, and how many cats are around it, and how many? Yeah, you know, yeah, good point. And make sure which of the vases have lions? Are the lions facing oh, to yeah. the left or to yeah. the right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Are, 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 are cats even... lions? Are lions cats? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, what counts? I, I tried to gloss over it in the bedroom, saying, "Oh yeah, they got owls on these walls," and whatever else I put, mm. horses on the other walls or whatever. Mm -hmm. I tried to gloss over that because I know in the playtest you specifically wrote those animals down. I did But I. just the fact that there were animals you, you, was what I was going for. Yeah, this dude liked painting yeah, animals. Literally, if you look at my, if my notes say bedrooms, bed, frescoes, horses times two, owls times two, lion door. Glad, like, yeah. I, I started writing down them all. Sorry, you, yeah. It's you did, definitely tricky. You, Danny, you did a really good job of sounding interested in things that we needed to be interested in. Yeah. I would say that, 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 yeah. that, went, that went across the board and sounding very disinterested in things that we should not be paying much attention to. <laughs> yeah, that was really good. Yeah, uh, every, everything. Oh, I'm glad. Yeah, I, I think you did that really well across the board. And the, like, the, the stuff that we forgot was because we forgot it, not because we were we, we felt led astray by like nonverbal cues or something like that. Mm. Or just lack of being able to interpret your own drawings. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That can be an issue. I, no, oh yeah, it does look like a genie bottle. That was a great moment. <laughs> Do you play this with people who are like fantastic artists and we have in the past a couple like at least once. Yeah. We had the uh, Katie, the Cartoon Network animator. Yes. Oh. So oh, wow. yeah, she was kind of talented. <laughs> I think we we mailed you our or Lisa's drawing last time. Yeah. Right? Yes, we've it is sitting on our, got fridge. It on our fridge. All right. Well, this the, you'll you'll get this one. This one's a three-parter. So it's a three, yeah, it's three pages. It's Ooh. it's less colorful though because um, it's that same pack of friction pens, I think. <laughs> the pack was brand new when we did this last time, and and so many of the colors have dispersed to your They're bags. in every bag I own. <laughs> There's one color friction pen in every bag, so oh, I only perfect. had a couple of colors here. But oh. it's still good. It's just less colors. I can't remember if Lucy did any drawings when she came on. She's but quite an artist. She's a she probably bloody good did. artist as well. So but I most people's most people's notes are stick figures and squares, just like mine. Classic, classic notes. I'll post my pictures on Instagram so <laughs> sure. you can take a look at those to compare. Um, but no, you guys did uh, did really well with that. So, <laughs> so you keep starting those sentences with that. Like, whenever you're saying that, you start with "but no, you did really well." It's well, okay, fine. <laughs> Uh, and yes, you did terribly. Uh, so, so that room, I think, was really, really fun. I think the the everything came together really well, puzzle wise. What do we think about the arc so far? What do we? What do we like? It's I'm I'm quite enjoying it. Although that that Doc Brown voice hurts my throat <laughs> sometimes. But other than that, I, um, I I I like it as a conceit. I like this like. Go back in the past and fix what's gone wrong. 
I liked it. I, I really I liked, liked it. A lot. I thought it was a great I, setup. I, the one thing I wanted a little bit more of is what uh, some clue as to what Greg is up to. Uh, just a, a, any kind of clue mm, about I wonder Greg. if that'll come out as time goes by. So you think by. he's up to something? He's not just a dummy? Well, th- that's that's the question. Is, is he is he a mm-hmm. dummy or is he like, you know, is, is he like Carmen Sandiego? He has a vested interest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he has a vested interest in this person dying in Vesuvius. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's I, 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 I wanted to get a little bit. I wanted to get a clue about mm. Greg. Fair, mm. but... I suppose that's the problem with coming in in episode one. I know. <laughs> yeah, you just get the setup. It is very interesting, the idea of how to make this arc engaging and feel like it's got a good follow-on story that isn't just a caper per episode thing, just mm-hmm. like, cool, and now you travel back to this time and you save this, mm-hmm. and you travel back to that time and you save this, and mm. trying to actually find a real find connection that isn't just the time travel. Well, I'm going to officially be the first one to say it. Obviously, uh... Bill is the bad guy. He's the evil one. <laughs> As always. He's like, you're in the wrong timeline? How does he know? Maybe maybe we're in the right timeline and he's trying to oh, make it the wrong timeline. He's time gaslighting. Yeah, he's time gaslighting. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting you all to be... No, you're the ones who don't really exist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you never know. I'm, I'm putting it out there. I'm going to be the first because everyone's going to say it. So I'm going to be the first mm. one. Bill's the evil guy. Oh, yeah. Guy. If Descent of the Collidons is any indication, that's Everyone's going to accuse me of being evil. But that's it. Uh, you do this enough, oh. and one day people are just going to assume that you're evil in general. I mean, they probably already do. I mean, it's it's also interesting it's because, hate mail. like, with Descent of the Colonists, I was very upfront about this be- about it being Luigi's Mansion inspired, and the character that you were in that isn't evil. Well, and Doc this, Brown's not evil. I either. think it's even more obvious what I'm taking it from. So I'll be really interested. No. I'm evil. I'm actually. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take my mask off at the end. And I'm going to be a, a group of Libyan terrorists. Uh, and th- it'll be a big reveal. Because, uh, I mean, everything that's happened so far is relatively in line with the first movie, right? The assistant yeah, went much. back stuffed up. Oh, we got to mix, we got to mix different movies together. So in, in arc 10, I'll be like, like, that's arc right. 10 or episode 10? In, in episode 10, I'll be like, that's right. I'm the one who went back in time. And when I did it, my voice sounded like this. <laughs> and it will be the, the Who Framed Roger Rabbit reveal. Oh, I see. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take off my, uh, my glasses. I'll have googly eyes underneath. It's funny. I almost made a, a Who Framed Roger Rabbit reference when you were talking about the paint melting off of the painting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not a torch. It's dip. <laughs> I also, I had to make the slight change to that because I've described it in my notes as the paint being really thick and oily there. But then Billy, during the play test, he went, oil, let's light those paintings on fire. (laughs) (laughs) You said oil. What am I to do? I'm a simple man. So I tried to skim over that and just say that it was really thick and sludgy and oozy. Yeah. Actually, that was an interesting thing because my take, I never quite knew how to interpret what that meant. But uh, I think you said it during that, uh, during the, the game, Lisa, that, you thought maybe it was like newly painted, like freshly painted. Yeah. Which kind of makes more logical sense because it's like they know that the torch melts the painting and they're like, oh, damn, i got to repaint it again. <laughs> Actually, my, <laughs> yeah, my, what was that first number again? My original they had to thought melt it and then repaint when it. you said that there was tons of paint on it, it was like, I mean, I know this was a rich house, but in like poor ancient places, they just painted on top of things over and over again. So, like, maybe mm. there were lots and lots of paintings on top. And my original thought was, like, oh, somehow we have to get to the bottom painting because whoever painted mm. here first did something interesting. Fair mm. enough. Which and is kind of what happened. It was kind of close, yeah. yeah. Melted all off the wood and then you just had the, the eye underneath. Yeah. And it was actually really interesting trying to do just Google searches of what did they paint on? <laughs> and things like that like what did what would they have written on because you know what's the stuff that survived stone tablets people kind of just carved in stone tablets <laughs> for their everyday writings and things yeah so what did they use and all stuff like that like did was papyrus a thing that came because you always just associate that with ancient egypt when did that do the traveling and all of that sort of stuff and just yeah all of the very little things were a bother combination locks on the other hand that was easy they just did exist in ancient Rome. <laughs> I, I think that um, by the time Vesuvius popped, I'm pretty sure that, e- that Egypt was, was part of the Roman Empire. 
Yeah, yeah it would have been the for sort like of thing 40 that I'm years, I think. Very yeah. iffy on. But and, yeah, that's and, why I did make an inclusion of Papyrus because I did get to the discovery that, yes, that's a possible thing that they would have had in this house. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I w- and it, even before Egypt was conquered, there still would have been plenty of trade. So I, that's, that, mm. that's definitely a good, that's a, that's a totally fair yeah. reference. So they did have combination locks back then? Yeah, that's a thing. I, obviously, they wouldn't have looked quite the same or acted quite the same, but those are definitely the... F- you know, I suppose it's probably the same kind of ways that they say, oh, you know, automatic doors existed in ancient Rome. Mm. Where it's, yeah. I mean, not the way you think of them, but yeah. <laughs> like, they were very dialsy based okay. and things like that, which, again, not that different. Yeah. They're similar enough that it wouldn't be unexpected for a time traveler to be able to figure it out. Nice. How fun. The ancient, e- I like the ancient Egyptians invented a, a kind of a proto pin tumbler lock. Ah. Ah, nice. That's the, fir- the first and known lock. Which we actually saw something similar in an Egyptian escape room once. We, we did see a company oh, cool. kind of make a, a version of that, which was hmm. clever. I like that. Yeah. It, that we, is very nice. We liked it too. Also saw another replica of, of one in the Lock Museum in Connecticut. Oh, yeah. Ah, that's awesome. How is there a lock museum? There's a delightful little lock museum in one of the buildings that used to be part of the Eagle Lock Company in Connecticut. (laughs) Okay. That's remarkable. Uh, We went there there a couple of years ago, and I geeked out with the curator there who was just so over the moon that there was someone there who knew lock history. (laughs) <laughs> ah, brilliant yeah i very much do not i a lot of my stuff is just a google of hey is this plausible yes done <laughs> it didn't google most common ancient locks and find some Absolutely papers not. about how often romans locked their tables i felt good enough learning that rich romans had shops in their houses yeah that's pretty good that's pretty cool that's all you need. Yeah. This, I, I got little bits of knowledge along the way in these rooms, and let's say that that's the one that I learned for ancient Rome. But I think knowing how many people survived Pom- Pompeii was probably mm. the biggest bit of historical usefulness. Yeah. Uh, that's a good bit of trivia. As, as Room Escape Artist True. is kind of testament to, I have a very hard time um, learning about something a little bit. <laughs> oh yeah i will read the entire pages how much of it sticks is another matter true hey let's just take a moment to talk about our sponsors for this season the escape room customer management software buzzshot yeah so last week we talked a little bit about buzzshot from like a customer point of view but this week we're going to talk about one of the cool things you get from a owner perspective using Buzzshot. You can use their website to see a compiled list of all your room statistics, how many people are playing, whether they're return players, success versus failure rates, what days people are more likely to be playing. It looks so good. I have never wanted more to own a brick and mortar escape room than I did when I was doing the (laughs) trial for Buzzshot. The amount of effort it saves you in terms of designing those documents, trying to get them to output graphs in the way you want them to, and then consistently like maintaining them and updating them. The fact that it does all that immediately is just so smooth and clean. It's lovely. So for owners and prospective owners who want this experience, and trust me, you do, not only do they offer a free two-week trial, but also they've got a special offer for people who listen to these ads. If you go to buzzshot.co slash escape this podcast, you will get 80% off your first month. I, you should already be going to that link. This is ridiculous. It's such a good offer. And, you know, let them know that you came through us. Yeah. Let them know we're cool. And now, back to the talking. Yeah. Um, all right. That was, that was great. I loved it. Uh, so, outside what? of just the room that we've done, what's, uh, let's, let's talk about, you've got this, this um, convention that's coming <laughs> up. In, 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 in How did that all start? How did you decide to do that? Because presumably, that's kind of difficult. Yeah, it's a lot. So the origins, we, we've been speaking at escape room conferences. I think we've spoken at about 12 different conferences mm-hmm. in, I think, six different countries. And 
every time we've gone, we have kind of walked away from it. The way we look at everything, which is kind of like, all right, well, what went well there and what, what, what could have gone better? Just like writing an escape room review. Which is just kind of how mm-hmm. yeah. we, just, we just like to dissect whatever it is we're doing. Um, mm. And after years of that, um, we kind of reached a point where we, we started looking at the landscape of what was going on. And we felt like there was this, there was this gap that wasn't really being fulfilled. And um, when we, 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 we had heard that um, there wasn't going to be another, another uh, you know, escape room show for, you know, put on by Transworld. And when they told us that, we said, you know what, all right, I think it's, you know, we need to make sure that the U.S. has a proper escape room conference. So mm. we're... That's we're, not a part of some other event. Yeah, that's not, that's not like tied sure. to, to, yeah. to a haunted house show or something like that. And... We decided that it was it was time to take the plunge. Um, we we've you know we know so many brilliant people who have so much knowledge to share, and we we really wanted to do is make sure that something was put together that that honestly and truly where every you know to the best of our ability every single talk is something that's worth going to, and every single talk whether you're a, you know a beginner or or someone who is an expert. Um, at crafting these experiences, every talk should have someone there who's imparting knowledge that if, at the very least, if you really know what you're talking about, you'll walk away saying, I'm so glad that someone was on stage saying that. And otherwise, you should walk away with a lot of really actionable, really approachable advice and, and mm. tangible stuff to help you do, you know, really make these, these games special. And also a lot of new connections. Yeah. We really think one of the most oh, yeah. wonderful things for us about this industry and about all the conferences we've been to and just traveling around playing the games is the people that we've met and we've become friends Without with. Without doubt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we wanted an event that was really going to focus on that as well, on sort of like uh, meeting, that you, meeting people you wouldn't naturally meet uh, because their businesses are... Mm are far away or are very different from yours and bringing these people together. I mean, this together. is exactly how we met. Yeah, yeah. that is true. We, we met you guys at Up the Game. In, we, in the right. we did. Yeah. Uh, and so, and the other and thing... And we're so glad we did. Yeah, we're so glad we did. Right? <laughs> it worked out really yeah. well. Um, one of the things that we've also noticed going to lots of different conferences is that there's one pattern that recurs no matter where the conference is, and that is that there are in-crowds and there are clicks, and it is very mm. difficult... <laughs> Yeah, and and it's and it's yeah, you know, and we we there have been times where we've contributed to this as well, um, where you have these people who are all kind of just everybody is so excited to see each other that they just spend all of their time hanging out. Um, and mm. what we that's and that's that that's definitely part of the culture, and it's important that 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 these friend groups have time to spend with one another. We also wanted to design in mechanisms that break that up at least for little bits of time um, and let new people in and let people socialize with new folks and have connections be born. So that's one of the things that we're also putting a lot of energy into. So one of the things that we're doing is the structure of our talks. Uh, our talks is that we'll have your standard talk with Q&A, but then afterwards we're going to have um, 30, 30 minute or so um, small group discussions. And the way that we're going to be handling that is that when you walk into the room for the talk, you're just going to reach into a bag and grab a chip, and that chip is going to have a symbol on it. And when the Q&A is finished, we're going to have facilitators around the room who will have signs that have, that have their symbol on it. And we're just going to have the whole crowd disperse and meet up with those people um, so that we can facilitate, really have random assignment of these small groups. So if you are in mm-hmm. um, you know, Nick Moran's talk, which is going to be on, on uh, intellectual, using, using and designing with uh, intellectual ah. property, because he did Sherlock the Game of is course. now, and he's also working on a whole bunch of other stuff um, with other brands. Um, and he's brilliant and funny and incredibly knowledgeable. Um, but after his talk, you'll have we'll have these small group discussions where you can figure out what the lesson you know you and you and a small group of people who you don't know can share your experiences, can share your ideas, um, can bounce off of one another, and hopefully, and I'm I'm really confident that that good social connections will be born out of this. Um, not you know just just like random assignment for escape rooms. Not everyone's going to become best friends, 
but the point is to make new connections with people that you mm. haven't met before and people you wouldn't have otherwise spoken with uh, because that's a there's, there's a lot of power that emerges from that and one of those things is really interconnecting community which is where i our real aspiration for this is is that yeah and that works really well especially in in like already the escape room community is is quite good compared to others at because there's that communication there's and a funny cooperation line between being an industry in competition with one another, but no, the being able to share customers with each yeah, other right, and all of that sort of thing is so important. Which is inherent in escapers, right? It's very, it's very. You you don't usually expect to get the same person back to play the same game multiple times, so there's not as much com- com- competition over. No, this is my customer. I don't want him ever going to your rooms mm-hmm. because he's going to do my room over and over again. Well, they're not. They they're, they're going to. You want to. Grow the industry. So, so yeah, this is a very relationship-heavy industry. So it's nice to be able to push that aspect and, and try and grow that more because it's one of the good things about the community already. That's and that's the way we feel about yeah. this. Is is exactly that. Um, this community, and and what we really think is that escape rooms on a regional level will thrive or die based on the level of quality in those regions. And our mm. hope is that we can use this convention to help everybody lift themselves up a few notches. And if we can do that year after year, we can get everyone to lift themselves up a few notches and find way, you know, find people and ideas and tools that will help them do that in a way that is financially responsible and not be like every room needs to cost $150,000 minimum. Otherwise it's Mm. terrible. Mm -hmm. That's to, to, to me, that's not a solution and it's not a, it's not productive yet. If we get to a place, that's a yeah. yeah. Sorry, go, I was, yeah, go for it. You say, that uh, I feel like is important. The idea of being productive in that sort of way. I'm just now thinking of every time I read online, someone saying, "I want to start an escape room. How do I do it?" And immediately, you can just hear everyone in the group go. And there's just a whole lot of comments of you probably don't know what you're doing. And yes, it's true, but that doesn't help. Yeah. Yes. And, 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 and the reality is that our, you know, it, you know, for, for whatever the proportion of, of prospective owners who show up to to recon, um, some of them are going to get are, are going to walk away saying, you know what, this is too big a mountain for me to climb. Um, mm. And. I'm okay with that. My feeling is if you spend a few hundred dollars, take a trip to Boston and spend two days learning about escape rooms, maybe going out and playing some games, meeting some really interesting people. If you walk away from that and say, you know what? I can't afford to do this right. I don't have the skills and I don't have the bankroll. uh, To me, that's a huge success. Talking in a respectful, productive way, talking someone out of doing something that's going to endanger themselves to me, that is mm-hmm. that that's that is a kindness that I I, I think should be extended, and it's and it's important. Um, at mm. the same time, like I I'm and, and I and I do agree with the broader community the sentiment that starting an escape room with ten thousand dollars a dream and some moxie is a generally terrible <laughs> idea in twenty twenty. In fact, it was a generally terrible idea in like twenty seventeen <laughs> twenty eighteen. But I do think that there are there are good and bad ways of delivering that message. There are yes, good and bad exactly. discussions that are being had around what you know how to invest your money and, and and where you should be putting your resources and what skill sets you should be having. Um, and these are the these are the conversations that I want to have, and we want to architect them a little bit more. We want to make sure that they're 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 designed to convey the relevant messages in ways that are easier to take in and easy to learn from and easier to enact. Mm. Mm. Excellent. Well, I mean, it sounds like it's going to be a really interesting thing to get to. Uh, so if only we could get if to only, it. If only we didn't live in Australia. And, We're so far away. And there are such great rooms to play in Boston, too. It's true. Um, it's ridiculous how many we still need to play like we are mm. industry babies when <laughs> nah, it comes we're to how many rooms you get to play if you live in america hey, you you True. guys have seen some good stuff i mean we, we were oh, yeah 
We were pretty blue lucky. We just we just haven't done a huge amount of bad rooms. So that's, that's great. True. We've just only done good rooms. That's great. And that's that's really to me. I we've we've scaled back the number of rooms that we play um, substantially. Probably about like by a hundred games between 2019 and 2018. Mm. Oh, I think it's almost not quite, but yeah. I mean, I mean, it's yeah. very statistically significant the amount that we scaled back and <laughs> what we've really and between 2017 and 2019. That's a it, better comparison. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. 2017 was our peak. Was, our, was the year we played a ton. Yeah. And then after that, we started scaling back. So 2017 to 2019. Yeah. But we've definitely put much more of an emphasis on hunting down the really good stuff. And some of that is just that mm-hmm. the community is there and you can kind of find out, which in 2016, you know, 2015, 2016, 2017, we were doing a lot of that legwork for a lot of people Good point. now we have you know we have our patreon follow you know sub- subscribers and we have just the broader community in general um that are helping they really do help us find what's worth playing and that's a huge resource and a huge asset because for us we also you know we'll spend you know between 30 and 30 and 60 minutes playing your typical escape room and then you know we'll go and spend two to three times that writing a review of it. Mm. Mm. Oh, yeah, sure. fair enough. It's how do you get to that point? Is it just something in the your personalities or whatever where you end up like you did this with starting Room Escape Artists, you did this with starting this convention where you just go, I want this thing to be done. I'm going to be the one who does it. I think that's, that's, a, that's always a, been us. That's always been us. And I think especially since we met, it's been us. Um, we, we reverberate off, that off of each other. But like, I was always the person in class who like the teacher would ask for someone, you know, for, 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 for you know, the, the class to answer a question. And I would sit there being like, I don't like someone else, please answer this. And then no one else raises their hand. And then I raise my hand. <laughs> and I, I think you were kind of this. Uh, yeah, I'm more of a person who... Um, when a mission is put in front of them, just follows it. And um, yeah, just point me at a thing. And then if it's something I'm interested in, then I will just go towards it harder, I guess. has always been that way. And that's kind of our our dynamic is that like I start doing a thing and I I, I dream something up and I get it rolling. And then Lisa turns it into like a a well-oiled machine. (laughs) Mm. Uh, excellent that's really exciting i don't feel like i am that way at all like even with all of this podcast stuff we are getting to the stage where we are turning this into a quote unquote business and every other day i'm just sitting here saying i never wanted this i never wanted to be a business owner (laughs) what am i I doing i've always said i would never do anything entrepreneurial like that in my life (laughs) but that's so exciting it is (laughs) That's that's exciting stuff happening. It's We're exciting. all doing exciting stuff, and isn't that great? Contribute <laughs> it's... to the hobby because so many like so many hobbies are just yep they exist. The organizations exist. You can be a part of them, and all of that stuff. The you're still being in such a new industry where there are still so many things left to be done that you can choose to do, mm. and you can spearhead like that. Oh, it's so interesting. It's it's fun. All right. Well. Um, we should probably, I think that's probably yeah. about enough post-show stuff. I have one stuff. more question oh, yeah. back, to, back to us again, back to um, Escape This Podcast. <laughs> question for us, sure. No, no, it's for Dave and Lisa. I just want to know, so a time travel room, what other periods of time or things Ooh. like that would you, be, would you be thinking of and think, oh, that might be a good one to see? Hmm. And then be horribly disappointed as Actually, I use I'm none I'm going to play them. this game as well because I don't oh, know yeah, what's okay. coming up. Well, you know the next one. I know the next one. So I won't mention that. I reckon I'd like to see something. You got to be like in a medieval castle night thing, right? That'd be a bit of fun. Yeah, the turret of a castle would be a fun location mm-hmm. for something like There's... Knights Templar. Yeah, yeah. Um, hmm, what would be a good one? Now, now I'm just re- I want to reach for something like that I haven't seen in the real life escape room. And it may not just be super old history. Some of it can be modern history. Some of it will be modern mm. history. A school dance in the 1950s. And I'll play Johnny B. Good. <laughs> oh, I don't that, know. That's the finale. Ah, oh, so, dang. Hard question. Okay. So, so a, a modern weird history. Um, 
Hold on. I... This is also going to test me because, again, my historical knowledge isn't that great. There are probably amazing things in history that I could and should have chosen, but I just didn't know about. Mm. Hold on one second. I just need to look something up. Ooh. What's something fun in? We're in different timelines. So maybe we go back to 1991 when Nelson Mandela died in prison. Oh, God. I've tried not to make it. We go back to when they were riding the Berenstein Bears. <laughs> all right. So, all right. So I have, I have a, a real good weird one for you. And it's, it's, oh, it's more, more recent history. Um, but okay. in, in Albania in the 1970s and 80s, um, Albania was ruled by a dictator uh, named Enver Hoxha, who was, um, I will say, slightly tongue in cheek. He was quite the character. He was, um, <laughs> he was, he was very, very paranoid. And um, Albania, their economy being what it was, um, which was not great, um, and was not a particularly large or large country. Um, in the middle of the Cold War, Hoxha was very afraid that um, he was oh, going to get invaded. I know this guy's name. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I went through a stage last year where I tried to just read the Wikipedia page of countries going alphabetically. So obviously Albania <laughs> uh, came up okay. pretty quickly. Yeah. So um, I remember this guy's but name. But I don't. What's going on? So yeah, sorry. Hoxha wanted to, he needed to control his population and he needed to, he needed to get them as scared of outsiders as he was. Because um, if outsiders came in, the, the regular population wasn't really going to be affected. In fact, things might have gotten better for, the, for them, but he was going to be real affected. So what he mm. did was he, um, he diverted the, basically the entire economy of Albania, which again, as I said, was not particularly robust, to the construction of hundreds of thousands of concrete and steel bunkers that are now dotting all over Albania. There's, the estimates are that there are somewhere between like 175,000 of them on the minimum and uh, like 750,000 of them on the upper end. Jeez. Um, wow. And they're everywhere. And some of them are really small there. And, and, and some of them are quite large. Um, and they've been turned into all sorts of different things nowadays. A lot of them are in ruins. Um, there, there is a whole local thing about it's a popular place to uh, lose your virginity. Um, <laughs> some of them have been turned into museums and the like. Uh, but basically, he made this insane collection of, of bunkers that had no interconnectivity to them. The population wasn't generally trained to fight in the military. There would be no way to, to, to actually run supply lines to these things. There's no plan. They were just there mm. to foster paranoia and to be these, these, these constant reminders in the middle of everyday life uh, that this is a thing. God, how wild. Uh, it's so funny reading Wikipedia pages, it's essentially a, a, a pro and con list of this guy. And it's <laughs> like, pro, raise the adult literacy rate from 5% to 98%. Con, forced labor camps, extrajudicial killings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. So I, I recently learned about this from the YouTube uh, from from the YouTube series Rare Earth, which I have become completely and utterly obsessed with. Um uh, they he, uh, they have a couple of episodes on Hoja and quite a few episodes on Albania that are really interesting. I think actually those are some of his mm. best work. Um, mm. But yeah, I I think that a, a a game in a in a in a bunker, especially if you're doing time uh, like like time timelines gone mm -hmm. wrong where they're actually relevant and you're stuck in that bunker, I feel like something fun <laughs> could happen. It could be fun. It's been very interesting trying to make. Like not introduce too many grim things. Mm. Like you know, I noticed in the introduction, I just sort of said, "Yeah, cool. Think of a disaster. Yeah, that probably wasn't supposed to happen. I haven't named any disasters." <laughs> True. So why didn't we get to? Why didn't they get to stop Pompeii from happening? Because mm -hmm. they didn't have enough nukes. Ah, oh, of course. <laughs> um, I wanna, I wanna go back in time to the nineteen twenties and do a bank heist. And then I want to go back in time to the 1880s for a Sherlock room. And then I want to go back in time to uh, a pirate room to find some treasure. And then I want to go back in time again 
to a different bank heist. Also, and then a prison break. Ancient, back in time to break Egypt. out of a prison. Ancient Egypt. Yeah. And then go back and, in time. Ancient, ancient Egypt. Mm, yes, yes. Yeah. Huh. I want to go back in time to 2016 and do an <laughs> escape room. Should do a whole Y2K Just, room. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, the whole the whole thing is about about just just add, thought it was real. They're just adding two 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 digits to something so that like <laughs> one particular piece of software doesn't crash. Or a Y two K room that's set like half an hour before the turn of the millennium, so that halfway through the room, suddenly everything gets all crazy and screwy because uh-huh. there's all these things that didn't get updated. Like, all right, hold on a second. When you, when you do that, suddenly you hear the, the bell chime 12. And now all the computers are different and everything's now different doors are opening up and different things are happening. Ugh. They don't know the date. Planes are going to fall out of the sky. Huh. It'll be great. Interesting ideas. Again, the, whole, re- the whole just rewrite the season. already written, so <laughs> nothing is changing at this point. I, but we'll see if all these predictions are correct. I embrace these ideas. For the next time, Kevo. I'm, I'm shocked that you don't have a Hoja bunker room already written. <laughs> oh, ridiculous. Shocked. Yeah. We have to paint the Sistine Chapel. Hmm. And if you don't do it right, <laughs> the, the Pope's going like, to go to war with someone. Like, like color by numbers of the Sistine Chapel. Yeah. Yeah, why are we meeting cool historical characters who are just like, oh, me? Call me Mike. It's short for michelangelo you know exactly <gasps> why we're not doing that you know 100 percent the reason we're not doing that why so that the patreon donors names can be used in the room we have a michelangelo on our patreon list right <laughs> uh speaking of thank you so much to julia morris who was our latin rescue victim in this room mm-hmm. and thank you to greg sorry i've never actually said your last name out loud how's I think so. Uh, who may appear more than once. You've certainly ta- copped a bit of a beating so far in this room. <laughs> a well-deserved one. But thank you so much. <laughs> Damn it, Greg. <laughs> to both of you. <laughs> God, Greg. Uh, so thank you guys for coming on the show. That You did wonderfully. It was a really great way to kick off the season. Uh, and as always, excellent to talk to you about industry goings on. Thank you so much for having us. We always love playing with you guys. It was a ton of fun. <laughs> Uh, so for people who are looking for more of your stuff I'm sure all the links will be below But do you want to do a rundown of how people can find you? Even if that's just go to you the can, website Sure, you can find us at roomescapeartist.com We publish every day We also publish on our Facebook and our Twitter every day And then on Instagram we publish more fun stuff uh, You can also find our convention RealityEscapeConvention.com yeah. yeah. And if you look, if you want to support the industry and the growth of your industry in, especially if you're in the US, go get tickets to the convention to go be there and meet people even and talk and see shows. Even if it's quite a bit of travel for you, going to things like this is It's good. Very worth it. It's, it's a really rewarding experience. And then and then when you're there, then when you're there, just say to every single person, like, oh hey, hey, have you heard this escape this podcast? Oh, escape this podcast. Mm. Oh, and just like ask questions that don't have any basis to the to the talk that you just saw that are just like uh what do you think about escape this podcast and that's how we'll and we'll seed into the into the conference and we'll grow what's the occupational health and safety like in a podcast yeah hey why do you talk about escape this i'm sure most people there will, will know but get them anyway um and yeah so don't do that and check them out and and there's they're wonderful it's all a wonderful thing for the industry I'm, so go be part of it. i'm fully in favor of this come on down to to, to recon <laughs> And definitely ask about Escape This Podcast, because you can't ask about Escape This Podcast if you aren't at Recon. Exactly. <laughs> Here's what to do. Here, okay, I have a mission for you, listeners. Buy tickets, go to Recon, print out one of our games, and run it for as many people as you can between, <laughs> between talks. That's, the, that's, your, that's your plan. Everyone's going to be playing Escape This Podcast. There, done. It's going to be a we, movement. I fixed it. <laughs> it's a movement. Take over the take over. It's like a it's like a Twitch raid. Just, Get out there and just just show up with a very large hook and just yank yank uh, Errol off the stage and, and then just grab the <laughs> microphone and and start reading off the description yeah. of the space. Exactly. Everyone'll love it. Yep. Errol. You will all have it. pens and paper under your chairs. 
Uh, wonderful. All right, I'm and if you are, he's not spearheading it. <laughs> maybe he will be now. Uh, and if you uh, want to find more of us, um, you've already found our show. Congratulations! It's a fun show. I'm glad you. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Uh, we also have another podcast you can listen to now called Solve This Murder. You can find it exactly the same way you found Escape This Podcast. Just Google Solve This Murder or go to solvethismurder.com, which is full of uh, murder mysteries that I play through and solve that Danny has created. So that's good fun. We are currently uh, a few episodes, I'm assuming, by now into maybe even near the end of mm-hmm. our of our latest arc, uh, whose name I've forgotten. What was it called? Uh, poison in the Pacific. Poison in the Pacific. So you can go and have a listen to that. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter. We're at Esk This Podcast. We're on Facebook and Instagram where you should be able to see some pictures of uh, some of Danny's Roman research for this room. Uh, we are also we also have a Patreon. We've mentioned it slightly here, but anybody who is a patron of the show, uh, you have the chance to appear as an NPC in one of our rooms, such as the two that we mentioned already, Julia, Julia Morris and Greg. And, Greg. Uh, and there's other benefits above that. There are whole sets of bonus episodes if you want to hear all the playtest audio and other fun different episodes of games and other murder mysteries and things like that that's for five dollar donors there are badges being made for every season which you can get if you're a ten dollar donor those badges aren't for sale anywhere else they're exclusive to our ten dollar donors and we're just having a new one made right now which looks really cool Uh, and there's other benefits as well in fact uh greg has partaken twice now of us running rooms Mm -hmm. for him in person Uh, and now he gets to destroy time itself so isn't that wonderful uh, so you can check all that out on patreon.com slash escape this podcast all right i think we're all ready to go thank you once more for coming on and playing the room it was absolutely wonderful thank you everybody at home for listening thank you danny for writing the room Aww. thank you for voicing the character that that's your throat th- thank you very much all right <laughs> goodbye everybody 